When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live brought to you by Crowcast. Lots to talk about after our great win versus the Bulldogs, so let's just not uh, carry on any further. Let's get straight back into it, shall we? Good evening, good evening, and welcome again to Tuesday Night Live. This Tuesday night, the 26th of April. Apologies for running a little bit late. That was uh, unfortunate, but uh, nothing I can do about that. There probably was, but I don't want to say. <laughs> G'day, Pete. How are you going? <laughs> I'm good, mate. Yourself? <laughs> I'm very well rested, thanks. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Never mind. Um, you certainly sound alive and kicking now. Do I? Well, that's good. That's probably yeah, you know you know what they right. say. You know what they say about uh, like rabbit in the headlights. That's yeah. that's how no, I'm feeling right beautiful. now. <laughs> All right. Um, look, mate. What do you think about uh, the weekend? It was a fantastic win, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of the one of the absolute best, wasn't it? Really, given the, all of the circumstances and given where they were playing. So yeah. Unfortunately, I missed a bit, but I was travelling on Saturday and um, I saw the first. Uh, third and last. I missed the second, but I got three out of the four. And um, yeah, no, that was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. So it was, um, I think, just following on from the week before, you know, the, the sort of situation where you challenged and and the team's challenged and, you know, they lost the lead in the last quarter and that capacity to sort of grit the teeth and come back was, was really good to see, wasn't it? Oh, two weeks in a row now. Um, and it's, a, it's a really good sign um, because, uh, you know, Last week it was good enough against Richmond at home. You've got a bit of crowd and a bit of momentum you can build, but uh, doing it away um, against last year's grand finalists, <laughs> you can't really ask for a lot a more win. than that from a team, can you? No, you really can't. It's it's a big win. And um, I thought that in patches, you know, again, they played some, some really, really good football and that, that forward line just functions so well. I mean, I know that there was some issues with goal kicking, but it looked like it was a little bit choppy out there and, it was difficult for both sides, but um, <clears throat> the forward line just functioned so well, and and I think that yeah, we have to really take a hat off to uh, to Billy down back, don't we? Because he um, he's just a bit of an architect back there, isn't he? He just he's an old fashioned sort of that that sort of key defender architect that just seems to he's not he's not a dour sort of one on one defender, is he? But he just he really sets us up, and um, he takes the game on. He runs and he delivers, and he's um, He's doing some real damage back there, Fiend. 
Yes. Um, you know, the whole defence played really well. Um, you know, Maka was wishing for uh, Billy to uh, add some uh, aerial capabilities to his uh, to his boat in order to be a complete defender, and he certainly delivered that on the weekend. Um, just um, a ridiculous game. I was, I was actually quite shocked that he didn't get um, um, top votes in the coaches award. He came second to today. Um, but, mm. And I thought Tom had an excellent game as well, but I yeah. just I just felt Bill was was key in defence in you know uh, stopping their tools from from getting off the chain back there. Oh, look, he's got you know plenty to do, but you know he hasn't even played thirty games, mm. and so he's got a lot, and and certainly he's only played you know a handful of games in defence. So you know there's a lot of coaching to come for him as well, and. Particularly with his one on one, yeah, and that's all start. That's all craft that can be taught. Yeah, and um, you know he can improve that. But the stuff that he's showing that he's got is not necessarily stuff you can be taught that well. He's he's showing great, um, you know, re- you know, capacity to read the play. Yeah, um, and you know, so take the game on, and you know, he uses the ball well, and so you know, there's a lot of skill and a lot of uh, talent that he's showing at the moment. And I think that yeah, he's been criticised and I think fairly for the fact that, you know, he does have to improve that, that one-on-one game. And I think that we're used to, you know, we're used to seeing guys like Talia and Rutten and those kind of guys back there. Um, but I think that that's something that is coachable. Mm. And, um, you know, they've just got to snap. I mean, the whole thing is being is that 200-centimetre guys that play like that don't grow on trees. No. And so they've got to stick with him. They've got to give him now you know, a good long block of games and during that time, and I'm sure they have been, and just continue coaching him to, you know, to um, to get a little bit better on the one-on-one stuff. Yeah. Look, and one uh, spring does not a swallow, mate, but, um, you, and you want to see him against the likes <clears> of uh, Harry McKay and, you know, those big power forwards just to see how he's going to go. Um, you know, he's struggled a little bit um, at times aerially against uh, Richmond. Um, but I think though, I, I think though that you know, don't forget we've got Geordie Butts, who is much more the dour um, yeah. defensive kind of player, and so probably it's not a bad one-two punch um, that um, you know Billy kind of gets back to help out a bit. But Geordie really is that one that that takes that defensive one-on-one against the key, you know, the opposition's best key key forward. I guess the um, litmus test will be Geelong, won't it? With Hawkins uh, being a handful for butts, and then uh, Jeremy yep. Cameron, you'd imagine would fall to Billy. Uh, Billy, and he's uh, fairly mobile and, and strong. Jeremy Cameron. Oh. So, thankfully, there's oh, not yeah. too many oh, teams yeah. with that sort of forward firepower. But uh, it, that'll be a very McCain, interesting. McCain, as yeah. you mentioned, you know McCain, Kerner, those two you mentioned before, and that'll be a really big test. So, uh, you know, the tests are still to come. And you know, I was just saying before that we were. Three and three this time last year, um, so we've just got to. It just seems to be a little bit more steel about it, doesn't it? Well, I was saying to Mac and Nikki on the weekend that we're building a brand, um, Pete, and the brand is just relentless hard work, uh, never say die yep. attitude, and and the ability to uh, uh, to just um, be frenetic with that frontal pressure um, from an individual character point of view. That seems to be what we're looking at. The game plan that Nick's is starting to introduce now is also interesting because we're seeing 
blokes like McHenry and, and Murphy get a little bit different role, get a little bit more involved around stoppage and uh, play higher up the ground. And we're seeing the forward line a little bit uh, more open as a consequence. And I thought that was actually key in us uh, keeping their midfield fairly fairly quiet. Or, I mean, a few of their blokes like Dunkley, etc., got a fair amount of the ball, but they weren't allowed any sort of freedom. And I think that's because we seem to be having most of our numbers between the two arcs. Um, and uh, it's looking quite good at the moment. Yeah. And you always spoke about Lockheed Murphy before. He, was, he had another really impressive game, um, I thought. And... Um, He's, he's having a really, really good year. But um, also, I mean, obviously Tex is a massive presence. And mm. what your thoughts are there, I reckon there's no reason. I, the way that he's playing at the moment, the position that he's playing and just the condition he's in, I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't go for another couple of years, after, even after this year. Well, I was only saying that to a mate today, actually, that uh, the way he's stripped uh, fit this year, and even at the beginning of last season... Um, there's certainly, you know, a, it looks like there's another season left in him. I, I think, I mean, it, it's very early to make this call, but uh, and I've been a bit of a, a G for giving Darcy a bit of a run, uh, but I think Darcy's had that run now, and as far as I'm concerned, um, uh, he hasn't taken advantage of the situation, and, and Tex is looking... Not only as fit as he ever have, but he's also impacting games. And like you rightly say, you know he's he's a di- he's a direct cause of uh, a couple of our wins. So um, I, I'm with you, mate. He he can do a Tommy Hawkins. He can go until 35 if he likes. Yeah, and you're seeing we're seeing it more often now aren't we, with Hawkins and Franklin and these guys all you know just playing out of the goal square basically and just you know. Keaton just continuing to stay in good nick, and why yeah. can't they go to 33, 34, 35, you know? Well, this is the thing. <clears throat> they stay injury-free, and they... Yeah. I mean, I did think... I don't know about you, Pete, but I felt like when the game started on the weekend, for about the first 10 minutes, Tex looked a little sluggish, and I thought, oh, what's going on here? But that certainly changed. Um, but uh, just for a minute, I thought, oh... He, like, it just looked to be running in, in mud, um, yeah. but um, but he came good and, gee, had an impact again, particularly that shot at the death when it mattered um, from a, from an angle where, you know, we'd missed a couple of easy ones out the front. Yeah, it seemed like it was going to be an impossible kick. Well, that's right, and for him to, to slot it under that sort of pressure um, and uh, as soon as it came off his boot, you knew that it was just, mm. it was perfect. It's like, all right. You know, the guy hasn't lost his, lost his, uh, his skills. So a lot to like from Tex. Um, and Himmelberg, at least, uh, even though he was um, quiet by the standards of the last couple of weeks, um, he still uh, played his role, I think, and had a couple of key moments. Yep. <clears throat> yep. No, I mean, I think that <clears throat> if you look towards selection this week, it's hard to see any changes, isn't it? I wouldn't think that. Yeah, you wouldn't think that there'd be any forced changes. I wouldn't have thought. Um, now, who? There was a little bit of a cloud over someone. Now, who was that? Uh, um, Hately had a bit of a limp. That's right. We'll Hately. see how he comes up. And, but I, it, provided he's fit, I'd certainly hope that they'd give him a block of games mm. and um, give him a chance to to show his show what he's got. Uh, don't see any point in 
the, the yo-yoing that, that goes on, but they have done it before, so I suppose it's not you know beyond the realms of possibility. But I'm hoping that he gets his uh, he gets his his block. Yeah, and um, yeah, he was an awful. I think I read somewhere he only had about sixty percent game time. Um, and he, had, yeah. he had thirteen or fourteen touches, so I mean, he you know they just obviously easing him into it. So yeah, you know, hopefully over the next few weeks we can. I think we're probably at that point where. We do really need to see. I mean, he's done everything that he can do to earn his spot back in terms of his sandfall footy. So I think, you know, there comes a point you've just got to have a look and say, well, you know, is, is he going to make it or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, there's absolutely no point, Pete, in in dropping him if he's if he's fit. He just needs a block, like no. you say. We need to, we need to find out. Um, he wants to be... An inside mid, I think the club want him to be an inside mid. Uh, he's got all the physical attributes to be very handy in that position. Um, he started promisingly enough, and obviously his his form in the twos is, uh, has been solid. Yep. We just have to, I mean, that's the whole purpose of the rebuild, isn't it? We've got to give these boats a run. And so he, I'm, I'm with you. I think he needs three or four. Um, and uh, let's just see how he goes. Yeah. Absolutely, and you know if you if you know, if you've got a kid like that that's come into your team and you still want a game like that, then there's no reason you shouldn't then carry him the following week at home against you know GWS. That's right. Um, in terms of injuries, we might as well go through the rest of it. The the one that probably had everyone on the edge of their seat for a while was Riley Thilthorpe in the twos. Um, Came off halfway through the game in the twos last weekend, complaining of knee soreness, and the club rightly um, took a very precautionary role there. Uh, the scans come back pretty clear, so uh, it looks like he might have just some general soreness or maybe a slight PCL, maybe you'd think, or medial or something like that, but uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't give him the week off just as a precaution this week. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be very surprised. I, mean, I think they said they're going to list him as a test, but yeah. that would be absolutely bonkers to play him on the weekend in the sample. There's no point, is there? Yeah. Um, we're just on Riley, it's an interesting conversation um, with Himmelberg and Tex uh, doing well and, and Lucky Gallant being, uh, showing a lot of promise. Um, long term, what do you think our forward structure is with Riley? Oh, look, long term, I think that he's a player that rotates through there, but I don't think he's a permanent. I don't see, I've never really seen him as a permanent forward. Um, I think he's got too much to offer around the ground. Um, so I see him as a player that will basically be an, almost like an additional on baller, I think, but will obviously have spells up forward just to try and catch the opposition out. Um, but just at the moment... I'm pleased with what they've done because they've, I think they've they've stuck with Gallant to give him a block of games. Mm. You know, I think that he probably he may well have struggled to hold his spot next week. I mean, if you look at the stats, Riley had only four possessions but two goals. Um, you know, you'd have to think that he would have had another three or four goal four goal game, which would have been four on the trot. And yeah. I think that. Gallant may well have been under significant pressure next week to have held his spot, but 
and because he would have um, Gallant would have had his block of four. Um, and I think that, um, but I think obviously now with Phil probably resting, that Gallant will get another week. Yeah, uh, um, Inquisitor makes a good point on the chat too because the wild card in all of this has been Shane McAdam come out of nowhere yeah. and I, hasn't uh, done himself uh, a disservice with this performance. Hasn't been dominant by any stretch, but has looked engaged, um, has done yep. work defensively, and uh, has gotten board, uh, got involved on the scoreboard. Yeah, so I think that he stays, um, but I think I think longer term. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a tricky one because really longer term, I'd like to see you know Riley sort of playing around the ground with spells up forward. I'm just I'm I guess it's a question without notice, and I can't quite sort of in my mind I can't quite <laughs> fit fit everybody at the moment. If Himmelberg plays wow. well, if Walker plays another yeah. two years, yeah. if um uh, if Gallant comes on, if McCat, you know they're all. So there's a mix there to be had. I'm just not quite sure off the top of my head what it is, but Philthorpe was in good enough form that he, I feel certain he would have got a recall sooner rather than later. Well, he got, um, didn't he get about 20 touches playing predominantly up the ground uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think? Yeah, uh, he's, he's, so he's, he's potentially fiend. He's a, when he's a mature 24, 25-year-old, 100-game player, he's a potential you know, 25 possession, three goals kind of a game play. Mm, Do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah. You know, he's that kind of player and you're mad. Anyone anyone be mad if they think that he's just going to stand in the goal square. Um, they're I, just not going to do that. He's just got too much talent. Well, I don't actually think that plays into his wheelhouse. I don't think he'll ever, ever no. be a hustle-bustle, strong power forward, I, like in terms of a, no. a pack-marking forward. I don't think that's his go. Um, yeah. You know, i I could see I could see um, I could see them playing uh, Elliot deeper, and Riley having a more up the ground sort of roaming centre half forward, bit like your Nick Revolt kind of role. Um, uh, Elliot hasn't got bad wheels, and he's good below his knees. But I've I've I reckon he's more the type that'll give you a contest in the air, based on current form anyway. Um, you know, uh, give you a give you a um, a bailout target inside sort of forward twenty, whereas Riley's yeah. Riley's your uh, your roaming gun centre half forward type who's going to get you know ball out on the deck as well as in the air, and, and with Gallant and or Shane McAdam there as a as a wild card marking option. And with our current configuration, we're putting Smalls at their feet with Rochelle and McHenry and, and Lockie Murphy, etc. There's, a, there's yep. a, a good mix of uh, t- um, strengths, if you know what I mean. Everyone's got a slightly different strength in that makeup. So I think, I think there is room for Riley in that forward line, uh, but it will take a little bit yep. of a rejig, I think. And a lot, I think, depends on Texas' longevity, to be honest. Yeah. And I think you're spot on. I think that there's no competition, for example, between Himmelberg and Thilthorpe. I think they could into entirely different yeah. roles. That's the way I say it. And I, wouldn't, I would not in a million years want Thilthorpe anywhere near Himmelberg's role mm. because he's just going to end up with, you know, busted shoulders. Yeah. Himmelberg is a good, you know, he's actually quite, he's, he's got a, a, a much sort of stronger, bigger frame. Um, and he can take those, and then you've got 
you know, Glant and McAdam, who were just, they just fly at anything, and and they just, they would cause, you know, defenders nightmares because they're not necessarily guys that can be, you know, zoned out, if you know what I mean. No, that's right. just seem to get to a position um, and fly. And then, of course, you know, you've got, you know, you've got some good kids at the bottom as well, so on the ground. So, yeah, you're right. It's a good configuration. And um, I think that there's room for all of them um, because I think that people underestimate Riley's mobility um, and his agility. And I mm. think that he can be a very, very damaging player further up the ground. Some people uh, say that he's a ruckman. Uh, he obviously can ruck. Um, that would put him in the sort of the Brody Grundy category, I guess. Um, any sniff around that? Do you think? I think I, I see him very much. The, the, the light for light for him in the AFL at the moment is Luke Jackson at Melbourne. Mm. Um, and if you look at the way Melbourne use him, they. You know, he has he has time up forward, he has time relieving Gorn, he has time around the ground. He's just all over the place. Yeah. Yep. I think I think that Riley's are probably a year or so behind Jackson and um <clears throat> unfortunately we'll lose a bit of time with injury now, but that's the kind of player I think that he can become. Yeah. Yeah. All all good stuff. Um you know, you could see him potentially being almost the dominant Max Gorn type. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, it's certainly mobile enough. And Max Max Gorn doesn't come across as the most athletic bloke, but by God, he covers the ground and he takes a grab. So if we end up with someone like him, I'd be uh, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> um, absolutely. You know. Go on, mate. Go on. Sorry. No, no, I'm done. You're done? All right. Um, yep. I'm done other... with subject, so. Yeah, on the other side of the injury list, we've got Andy McPherson still um, carrying that hamstring. He's due for a test. <clears throat> Zach Taylor's a couple of weeks away with his broken thumb. Seed is an ongoing, obviously, and reports, I, I think uh, it was one of the other podcasts on Twitter mentioned that uh, Seed has been seeing um, physicians in Melbourne. So uh, he's progressing, I guess. So... Uh, uh, good to see he hasn't given up the fight, but uh, the longer longer that goes on, the more you're looking at a Paddy McCartan situation. Um, and Sloan, of course, with his knee. So uh, not a long injury list by any stretch. Um, it's good to have uh, so many to choose from um, and relief that Riley isn't amongst them. Um, just talking about the the uh, wider or the broader AFL, I guess. Um, what do you think of the vision with McCartan uh, on Anzac Day, Pete? Uh, I didn't have any kind of too sort of emotive thought about it. I thought that it was a little bit invasive. Yes, um, I guess to I be, think that's what you I was know, getting at. But is that what you're getting at? Yeah, it was a little yeah. invasive, I think, but. I thought that the AFL's tweet of, you know, thoughts and prayers and love hearts, and I think that was mm. a bit over the top. But, um, no, I think it was a bit invasive. He was in the change rooms. You, you'd expect to at least have a bit of privacy there. But, um, yeah. Well, isn't there a know. duty of privacy? What was that, man? Isn't there a duty of privacy? Like, the change well, rooms I have always been a little bit sacrosanct. And, like, we've had a couple of instances this year now of blokes... 
with injuries that have been filmed uh, in the change rooms. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. No. I assume the AFL have permission, or the media, I should say, has permission from either the club or the AFL to have their cameras in there, and then they just pick up whatever they, you know, whatever, you know, they'd have someone monitoring that all the time, like a security camera, mm. and um, trying to pick up whatever the hell they can, whether it's, you know, players groping asses or, you know, doing picking up papers or, you know, doing whatever. Um, yeah. They just try and make something out of it. Which then opens up a whole different topic of AFL media, which I detest with an absolute passion. Um, it's just not it's not a big enough game for the amount of media that we've got. And, you know, they're just continually trying to, you know, make stories out of absolutely nothing. It's just uh, an abomination, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel terribly sorry for Paddy McCartan. And uh, obviously he was um, um, distraught when he was ruled out of that game with the concussion tests and bio reports. Um, it wasn't a bad. It wasn't a bad, uh, bad one, and um, he may have just uh, got a bit stressed doing the test and messed a couple of up. Um, but with his history, you can't blame Sydney for being extremely cautious. No, um, I, I just I don't like that sort of reporting. I just feel like there's no real place for a camera inside the the change rooms. It'd be like having a camera inside the doctor's surgery when. Uh, I gotta have my prostate exam, uh, Pete. No one just yeah. no one needs to see it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I said. Um but uh, look, a couple of other um bits of injury news. Brody Grundy, of course, uh has a PCL. I think he's um uh out for at least a few weeks and uh, Ashoka, that's medical not uh not rule three, mate, so you probably need to learn to read. Um, there was someone else too. Uh, oh, um, the Ruckman from uh, Carlton, what's his name again? He's, uh, he's out too. Perite. Yeah. So uh, Carlton are in a, bit, in a bit of strife. They've lost a couple um, and might just be coming off the boil a little bit um, in terms of their, their early season form. Um Who was it for Essendon? There was someone for Essendon, wasn't there? That watched the game, and I can't. Oh, remember. it was Darcy Parrish that had uh, an ankle. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks, PJ. Um, but yeah, he's been cleared, so uh, he might even front up against Western Bulldogs this week. So um, yeah, so a few blokes dodged the bullet. Speaking of dodging the bullet. Um, buddy obviously bumped an umpire on the on the game on the weekend. He got a fine. Didn't see that one. Right. Um, Amira has been uh, given a two thousand dollars sanction with an early plea. Um, Franklin making contact with the umpire. Blah 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 blah. Incidental. Didn't constitute a reportable offence. That's in the. Uh, Trent Cochin jar, so um, uh, he obviously gets off scot-free, so not a lot happening there um, from the weekend. Um, just on match review and umpires and all the rest of it, and we spent a little bit of time on this on 
the weekend and I'd probably give it about two minutes, Pete, I reckon. But uh, is the game becoming unumpireable or are the umpires just not good enough? Oh, I, th- I think that what's happened is that the AFL have, in, in trying to, what, they've, what they're trying to do is that they're trying to enforce um, a trickle-down policy um, <clears throat> by, by, by overcorrecting the actual product itself, Yeah, if that makes sense. So, they're, so they're, they're, curi- they're curing an evil that's not really there at AFL level, but it is there at the grassroots level, and I can promise you it's there at the grassroots level. Mm. Um, and so I don't, I don't agree. I agree with you know the, the thought process behind that, but they've got to come up with a better way to deal with the situation of umpiring at the junior levels, and you know the consequent shortage that will that, that, that's occurring, and also the fact that you know the, the the need has now doubled with the girls. So we've now got we need more umpires, and we've got less people doing it. Um, that situation is not going to be cured by dishing out 50-metre penalties for putting your arms up. And it is, at the moment, what they're doing is that they've elevated the umpires to such an extent that it is very, very difficult now to decipher whether you're watching, you know, um, footballers being umpired or umpires with, you know, footballers running around, Mm. around them. And they, you know, with you know, watching football on the TV is it's almost unwatchable now because of the constant yelling. So they've got, you know, the fact that they mic'd up. Yep. So consistently having to hear them speak. Um, and I mean, in in the NFL where the umpires are mic'd up, you might they might what once, two or three times a quarter they might just you know put the microphone on and call it call a decision. Well, and they do that specifically because of the type of game it is, um, and the t- and like plays are, are or penalties are called at the end of a play. So yep. uh, you know they're not interrupting play or anything like that. They're actually calling the decision. The other thing that's happened, this is not the umpires' fault or the AFL's fault, is that the game has changed in so far as you know we have now a lot of hold possession, and what that means is you have now a massive amount of uncontested marks. And so you just, ha- you, as a watcher, as a viewer of the game, it is just constant whistling. All you hear mm. is whistling. Yeah. I reckon at the start of one quarter of the Anzac Day game, I reckon I counted eight whistles in the first fifteen <laughs> seconds. Yeah. By the time they they they, they, they you know bounce the ball, then they've got to call it back, then they've got to blow time on and blow time off. Yeah. And then there was a free kick, and then from the free kick there were three uncontested marks, and yeah. so there's just this constant whistle and constant umpires calling out. And so as a viewer, you're just so distracted. Well, you're drawn by it, you're drawn to it, aren't you? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm with you. I remember back in the day, you know, the best games were when the umpires weren't noticed. Um, you know, and that's that's not a mantra that uh, the AFL are operating under now. No, they want, um, the, they want the umpires to feel loved and, and it's just... You know, and they're they're trying to set an example for kids and and parents, but it's just it doesn't work. And so they've got to they've got to find a way to deal with the umpiring crisis at the grassroots level. You know, without without interfering with the game, because in the end, what's happening is that people are just hating on the umpires even more. It's not well, really their fault. 
And I think that's the bottom line. And again, we, we spoke a little bit about, um, you know, Victorian uh, desire to um, kill an ant with a sledgehammer sort of thing. And I think this whole dissent thing is is coming at the issue from completely the wrong angle uh, because you can't legislate against um, people showing emotion. And, you know, there's a difference between the, the famous Brian Taylor footage where he just about loses his mind and has an aneurysm Versus a bloke that that puts his arm up in the air or you know um, has a bit of an expression on his face, um, and the problem is that it's too subjective. And the same with just about every rule that we have in the place at the moment. Everything is subjective, and I think the first thing they need to do is just umpire the rules. Just apply the rules. No degrees. It's black and white. You either pushed him in the back or you didn't. doesn't matter if you pushed him a little bit or a lot. If you pushed him, you pushed him. You know, if you had your arm over his shoulder, it's around the neck. doesn't matter whether it was just a brush or whether it was a clothesline. It's around the neck. I think that's the first thing they need to do. And then if they, as a consequence of that, find that some of the rules are too draconian, then they may be, as a, as a step two, they need to then look at some of these rules and and uh, tweak them a bit, particularly around holding the ball, etc., etc. But until they remove the grey areas and the interpretation from the situation, people are always going to be screaming at umpires because you and I could be watching the same play, Pete, and we'll have two different opinions on a decision that's not black and white. That's just human nature. That's just how we are. None None of what they're doing is going to stop a dickhead parent on a Sunday morning yelling and screaming at a 14-year-old kid who is umpiring their kid's football game. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just it's not going to stop that. No. And they have to find another way to stop that. And, yeah. they, and they have to be dealing with the rules at SNFL junior level. And whether that is, you know, um, awarding, you know, you know, wiping off scores or doing whatever the hell it is that they need to do, but that's where they need to do it. Not not tinkering with the AFL game because what happens, Fiend, and I re- I've spoken about this for years, is it's just the basic rules of cause and effect. And so what happens is is that when you tinker with a rule, that will create an alternative game, and then and then that creates another problem, which they then have to bring in another rule to cure. And this has been going on for I don't know how many years. And so That's we've me. now reached, I think crisis point where they've just you know the, the AFL have basically just disappeared up their own ass yeah yeah because they've just because they've just they've just created so many rules to try and you know um change something that has evolved because of a rule that they changed previously well exactly i mean let, let's have a look and we spoke about this again <laughs> on the weekend uh, the unrealistic attempt thing now i was saying to Macca on the weekend that there's there's no there shouldn't be a rule called unrealistic attempt the rule is pushing the back and it's always been up until recently that if you went up for a mark and you went up a bit early and you didn't take the mark after having put your knee in some guy's back that's pushing the back the rule is pushing the back or interference or whatever you want to call it not unrealistic attempt unrealistic attempt then again it's open to interpretation one person's really like Shane McAdam going for a for a hang is far different than 
90% of the rest of the AFL world going for a mark because he's got the ability to, to stay up there. So you can argue that him going up early is not unrealistic because he'll take 50% of them. So, you know, I, I was having a look at a couple of SNFL games the other day. One of the best things they did was remove the, uh, the deliberate out-of-bounds rule. Yeah, and, exactly. and just turn it into, you know, last touch rule and all the rest of it. Um, and that is the way I wish that they would handle the situation at AFL level because the SANFL, by doing that, have just taken a contentious rule out of the equation. That rule was open to interpretation. Was it deliberate or was it not? And now it's a pure and simple black and white and there's no more argument and there's no more... Mm you know, baying for blood from the supporters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yep. You know, but you're right, the AFL tried to make rule, like the stand stand on the mark rule. It just blows my mind. It's so... I mean, it's just horrendous. Just horrendous. I mean, Fane, I was watching the Anzac Day game and yeah. really, really good game brewing. And with, you know, there's like 11 points in it with maybe yeah. five minutes to go or four minutes to go. And then Grundy gets that fifty metre penalty for what? Because was, he, he 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 faked a kick, and of course the player moved, and all of a sudden Brody just Grundy just gets a goal. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The game's gone. And then on the other side I mean, of the coin, Peter, you've got there? why did I sit there for two hours and watch a game? Yeah, well, now on the other side of the coin, you've got Cody Waitman <clears> that basically <throat> ran so close to the guy with the ball. Uh, who was it, Geordie Dawson or whoever it was that had the ball at the death in the Crows match, that he just about could have reached out and flicked him over the ear, and the um, and three umpires were watching and just ignored it. You know, and that could have had a, a just as big an impact on the game um, had uh, had things worked out a little bit differently. Had you know, Tex not kicked that goal yeah. because. So I mean, I just but just stupid things like when like when Luke Hodge. Conceded. We remember when Luke Hodge conceded all those points in the grand final. Yeah. And then the following year, they, they decided then that if you conceded a point deliberately, then it was a free kick in the goal yeah. sweep. Yeah. So then a whole lot of teams got penalised, you know, giving away crucial goals. Then they decided that was no good. So then they made it again. They went back. They've gone now gone back to an umpire's interpretation about what's you know, what's under pressure. Yeah. How do you yeah. possibly umpire that? You know. No. What, what is it, what, what's it considered to be under pressure when you cannot con- concede a point? It's just unnecessary. Oh, it's, it's completely unnecessary. Um, it's it's getting like you said before. It's getting to crisis point. Um, and I'm not. I mean, I think there's one or two umpires that aren't great in the system. Uh, but you're going to get that. There's one or two players in the system that aren't great either. You know, that's just the way it goes. But it's getting to the point now where I feel for umpires because there's just too much to go on. There's just too Ooh. much to watch, too many things to consider in the in a split second. You've got to make a call. Yep. Um, you you know we all <clears throat> laugh at Dwayne saying noise of affirmation, but there's no doubt that there's uh, an impact from crowd noise and home ground advantage, etc. etc. Et so the only way to mitigate all of those effects is to make the game easier to umpire, and the only way to make it easier to umpire is to reduce the rules and make them black and white. The best thing they ever did, yep. Pete, was bring in hands in the back rule, and the worst thing they ever did was move, is get rid of it. I don't know why they got rid of it, because I didn't hear anyone really complaining about it. Once it was in and people got used to it, it was actually a good rule, 
And there was no argument. You put a hand on the guy's back, it's a free kick, the end. And then all yeah. of a sudden, I think it was Hocking decided to get rid of it and put in Stan on the mark instead. Unbelievable. Yeah, Inquisitor Hawkins complained. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He would have kicked 100 fewer goals. Anyway, look, let's not go on about it. But I think uh, to finish it off, I think you're 100% right, Pete, that the problem at AFL level is completely different to the one associated with getting people involved in umpiring. I think they're two different arguments. I think they're two different issues. And I've, um, I've I coached junior footy for seven or eight years, including at, at under eight and under nine level. And like where you stand on the ground and umpire these kids and uh, and coach these kids while they're playing, and you're right. Some of the, some of the parents deserve a bullet between the eyes, and you, there has to be more done at that level. But unfortunately, there's just not the resources at that level. You know, there's not the resources. The the clubs are running these junior zone competitions on the smell of an oily rag with um, volunteer. Um, people running whole entire leagues, um, they don't. There's just not the the resources to police it enough, unfortunately. Well, the, well, the sample now, well, the, the sample by the sample juniors, they've taken over all of those, you know, odd odd bod associations that that used to control all of the junior leagues. Yeah. So the SNFL, SNFL, they now control junior football. Yeah, and but so not at primary school have, level, though. Well, not, not at school a, level, no. No, but that's what I'm saying. At, at, at club level. At club yeah, no, I agree with that. But at primary school level, it's still the individual SNFL clubs that run the leagues. And I, I can only speak from uh, my experience with Sturt um, that uh, there was a lady down there that used to run those primary school leagues, which is where it all starts, paid at primary school level, year five, mm. six, seven. Mm. Um, and she did a fantastic job. She organised Sapsaza and development squads and all the rest of it, but um, she wasn't getting paid a cent. Um, and the, it was it was rife um, <coughs> back then because there just wasn't the resourcing. She's run Auskick as well, I think. What they, but the question they have to ask themselves, Fane, is that, is that I know plenty of young boys, because they can umpire from the age of 14, now, they can go out and they can earn themselves 60 bucks a game umpiring an under-8s game at club level, mm. right, for 40 minutes' work. Mm-hmm. Right? No tackling, you know, basically just call marks and, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and they could do three games in a the morning. They could earn, you know, probably almost $200. Thank you very much. How's that for a part-time job for a 14-year-old kid? Yeah. And, yeah. Right. They'll do it for one season and they'll never go back. No, that's right. They won't. They that's, won't. That's the, that's the question that's got to be answered by the various associations. Because it's not money. No, it's not money. There's plenty of money, there's, there's plenty of money and there's plenty of training. Yep. And so there's opportunity and there's pathways and there's all that stuff. What they have to... Um, ask themselves is that how they can better, you know, con- <clears throat> control you know, parents that are watching these kids. Diabolical, but anyway. I, I mean, a it's a whole, different... it's a whole different cast, and we could go on and on, and maybe one day we will. Um, suffice to say, they've got to make it attractive for these kids beyond just the money. Um, and I think the well, AFL, I, I look personally, I think the AFL, who have now basically 
by force taken over um, grassroots footy, uh, they're not putting enough money into it. Um, I think the SANFL get forget what the numbers are now, but it's bugger all um, from the AFL because we're not a, we're a heartland state. So the amount of money that gets poured into junior football in in Queensland and New South Wales compared to the amount of money that gets poured into junior football in the heartland states um, is chalk and cheese. I think I remember a number like four hundred thousand dollars for junior football in the state. And, um, you know, it, it's just inadequate. Uh, and the the clubs who are, who are uh, running these leagues at, at primary school level, uh, they're left to pick up the can, and it's just they don't have the resources. It's just not enough. Mm. Yeah, I could debate that one for yes. ages, but I, I, will, I guess we should move along because um, I'm, should. I'm a little bit... Um, You're under the pump. Because I left... I'm a little I left bit under the... Yeah, I left. Uh, hang on. Well, we're just about finished up anyway. Uh, we got GWS on the weekend, mate. Um, yep. The first time we probably started favourite for a few weeks now, or well, for a few months well, now. Yeah, a long time. Probably, <laughs> um, yeah, a long time. They're the ones that are usually dangerous for us. <laughs> so uh, what do you reckon? Are we going to back it up three in a row? I, I am going to back him this week. I backed him against the Tigers. I wouldn't have backed him last week. But I, w- I would back him against GWS this week for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think just, so. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty injury free, as you said, and um, they're pretty settled. And um, when you get a settled lineup like that, you can get on a bit of a roll. That's very true. Now, uh, Vardy, thanks for reminding me. Uh, we have tickets to give away now, Pete. If you need to go at any stage, just go. Um, but just I am so- going to go um, yep. just because I'm a little bit. Um, Past my uh, past yeah. my uh, use by date. So thanks, Mrs. Um, Peter J, for letting him off the chain for a <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> no worries. Take care, mate. And um, good, good you, mate. to good to chat. And hope you all enjoy the game on Saturday. Thanks, mate. We'll keep going Cheers. with um, the ticket giveaway. So if anyone wants a double pass to the Crows v Giants game this weekend. Um, please put your name, only those people, put your name in the tickets channel um, on uh, on Discord and uh, we'll keep going for a few minutes because we've got a couple of people that would like to have something to say. So, um, oh, where did... Uh, JD Quizzle, you wanted to have something to say, so I'll bring you in. And uh, in the meantime, if you want tickets uh, to the weekend and you can use them, don't put your hand up. Oh, don't put your name in the channel if you can't use them, please. Um, uh, stick your name in there and we'll do a bit of a draw in a minute. Mate, how are you going? Yeah, good, fam. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Nice to have a new face talking uh, on here. Yeah, what have you got to say? First time. Long time, first time? Um, that's that's what I said. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you got the first... Um, so sort of straight off the bat, you guys talked about Billy Frampton because I thought he was probably the story of the game um, on Saturday. Um, I just want to put it to you. I think that I know that you and probably Pete as well have been a bit more fans of um, Nick Murray in terms of that position, like, you know, favouring Murray over Frampton. But 
think you know, and I think most more uh, you know relatively recently, you sort of said that you know you, you kind of want someone who can win their position rather than you know Billy. Maybe he can use the ball a bit better, but you want that second key defender to be actually beating his opponent. Yeah. Um, but I just reckon when when there's a good mix down back, um, obviously we've got um, Jordy Butts, who's kind of the the Daniel Talia or you know formerly the Ben Rutten down back. He's going to generally beat his opponent, we think, or well, we're backing him in every week. Yep. Um, Tom Duday, he's kind of our, um, you know, more in more recent times, Jake Lever. And I want to go back to even 05, 06. I feel like Duday is kind of our Nathan Bassett, kind of the third man up that can yeah, um, definitely. You know, come across the front. And I just reckon uh, Frampton's got a little bit of Nathan Bock about him. I just don't think that he's quite there in terms of being an all-Australian centre-half back in terms of shutting down a Nick Rewalt type. But, you know, I, I just remember Nathan Bock, with ball in hand, you just knew that he was going to hit a target. He, he never panicked. Um, he could he could hit up a short target. He could, you know, he could hit a 40-metre kick on the 45 or go into the corridor. And I just think Billy brings that. And if he can kind of... Um, add to what he's done in the last couple of weeks and just get a bit of confidence. You know, he's only 25. Um, uh, Murray's only 21. So he's he's giving, you know, Murray a few years. But I just feel like it's worth persisting with Billy at the moment just for, for balance down back. What do you reckon about that? Uh, look, I think it's very unfortunate for Nick Murray that, um, you know, by accident or or just circumstances... He had a couple of really bad games, disposal-wise, um, which opened the door for Billy because I think prior to that, the general perception was that he was a far more competitive beast in the air and better able to combat um, a tall forward uh, in that regard. I think what we're starting to see, though, and your comparisons to those that Ben Rutten sort of Nathan Bassett era with Nathan Bock is is an interesting one because I think what we're starting to develop now is a bit of a team defence setup. And if you remember back in the day, um, you know, each of those individual players that you reeled off there were good in isolation, but they also worked very effectively as a, as a team. And the amount of times you had Bass coming in over the top with that lift, big left hand fist, you know... Um, you know, it was it was quite integral, and so I think what I enjoyed about Billy's game on the weekend was the fact that he actually took some marks, he uh, affected some spoils, he wasn't out of the contest aerially, and then we saw his value at on the deck um, at ground level, which gave us a little bit more more of a dynamic feel coming out of that back half. If he can remain competitive um, in the air. Um, then he's the answer at centre-half back, in my opinion, mate. The question will be is if a couple of coaches test him out by trying to isolate him. That, that'll be the key. If, if, he, if they try to channel forward entries through Billy's opponent, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he copes with that. Because I, to, be, to be perfectly honest, I thought the Bulldogs played into our hands a little bit with their full 50 entries on the weekend. Yeah, I yeah, I do agree with that. I think um, you know, back you know, if we look at the O five O six side, they were just they were the crowbots, weren't they? They were incredibly well drilled, and we had a pretty handy midfield back then as well. So that kind of um, helps to dry up what's what's what the defence has to deal with as well. And obviously, our midfield at the moment is not quite there yet, um, mm. and our defence either. We're not 
we're not that well-oiled machine um, that we were back then, but we've got to, you know, we're obviously trying to build towards, um, you know, having a good structure. And, um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, if, in terms of if they can all play their role um, and if the coaching, smarter, coaching staff are smart enough to kind of um, negate any opposition coaching tactics, um, I think Billy's got a future. Um, I, I'm glad that we kept him on. You know, some people were calling for him to be delisted but to be honest he's he's a mature body he's 200 centimeters tall he's got some you know he's got some skills obviously yeah. um yeah no other teams take him so he, he's perfect as a backup um even if he's not our number one if he can be um knocking down the door you know pushing for selection i'm all for that um and you know maybe murray's not the answer you know he's got a few more years to come along but uh, maybe someone else comes along, um, whether or not it's um, Borlace or someone else like that can yeah. come in and kind of fish him a casey, put it, put a bit of pressure on the key key position defenders. Yeah. Um, I think Billy's, um, yeah, he's going to be a bit of an asset for for this year at least. Yeah, look, mate, I think so. Um, certainly, uh, certainly the way he played in the last sort of game and a half, two games, um, I'm going to be interested to see how he goes up against Geelong, particularly because we're playing him down there in that cesspool. Um, that'll be a real litmus test for him. But uh, look, mate, all power to him. He's going well, and that's all you can ask him to do. Um, mate, a lot of people commenting on uh, the quality of your work, and I find it interesting that uh, whenever we have someone in uh, that's new, that the chat really lights up. Um, I just wonder whether they're maybe getting a bit bored of me and Pete. But I do appreciate you coming on, mate, and having your say. Uh, so uh, if I if I had a if I had a Sammy's gift voucher to give you, <laughs> I'd give you one, but Mac and Nick's all of those whenever I get them. So, <laughs> uh, no, no bro Hotel uh, $50 voucher or anything? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. Uh, but good on you, mate. Thanks uh, for no, listening and thanks for coming on. Yeah, all good. I'll, I'll call another time. Thanks, man. Good on you, mate. Thanks. And ladies and gentlemen, it's as easy as that. You too can come on and sound like a genius. Um... And look, to be fair, um, it's not hard to sound like a bit of a genius uh, up against me. Uh, so if you want to make yourself look good, come on. Uh, we've got a few minutes. So if anyone else has got anything that they'd like to say, then uh, feel free to stick your hand up. In the meantime, who have we got here in the tickets channel? We've got PJ, we've got uh, Cat Attack, we've got Dominic, and we've got Brad. So that's four. So let me just bring up my little random number generator. Um, in the meantime, oh, here we are. Look at this. I'll even put it on the screen. Hang on a sec. Um, in the meantime, I don't know how anyone else's um, tips are going, uh, but mine are horrific. I started off well again, um, but then just fill in a hole. Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah. Bear with me two seconds. Just ready. All right, so PJ is one, Cat Attack is two, Dominic is three, uh, Brad is four, oh, Dominic's out, so he's back to three. Um, thanks, Dominic, for commenting when I asked people not to. Uh, so it's out of three of you, one, two, or three, so we'll just make that three. And we will generate... And it is Brad, 97, who gets the tickets this week, mate. So uh, 
um, I'll drop you a message after the show and uh, we can organise those tickets uh, to come out to the to the game. Uh, so congratulations, sorry to uh, PJ and Cut Attack, um, but uh, there'll be chances every week for home game tickets, as you, as everyone knows. So um, hopefully next week we'll be able to, or next home game we'll be able to give someone um, free tickets again. All right. Um, did I just chuck up the tipping just quickly, just to finish off? Probably. Um, only because I'm going so badly. So, at the moment, uh, a lot of people got eight on the weekend, and Harry's just starting to eke out a little bit of a lead, lead there, 41 points, two in front of uh, a few on 39, Kirk, Elvis, Terry, and Brett. And then we've got Cast of Thousands on 38, Nadine, Romy, Barry, Jamie, Craig, Claire. And uh, for those who are interested, I don't even make the first page, I don't think. No, I don't make the first page. Where am I? Oh, God, there we are. 74 with four, I got right. Four. Uh, That's because the Hawks did me in. uh, The Bombers did me in. uh, The Crows did me in. Who else? Why not? I think... um, the one on Friday night as well. Anyway, so I suck at tips. I always have sucked at tips. But uh, I guess, you know, got to be around it. So I'm still negotiating with the club at the moment to get uh, get a prize for uh, the um, tipping comp. Now, my camera's frozen, so that probably tells me it's time for me to, to bid farewell. Thanks to everyone who was uh, listening and uh, on Discord and also on YouTube. Thanks to also to people who support us on Patreon. Don't forget, you can uh, support us on Patreon. Sorry, 1990. Uh, well, it'll have to wait till next time. Um, support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. In the meantime, make sure you get around the other casts. Uh, Here We Crow had a good one tonight, and Sensible had a good one last night talking about the draft. So get around those. Uh, support all the Crowcast podcasts. They're all great. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe, and we will see you on Sunday night for the wrap. Good night, everyone.